Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Is the fantasy best friends forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network alongside Frank Stample, Michael Florio. I am Greg Sussman. Gentlemen, what's going on? Uh, just like old times. Here we go. We got a Florio Friday, some weekend waivers opening day is in the books. Mikey, what's going on, man? Welcome back. What's up, guys? The band is back together. We are, but you know what? I've gotten some tweets when we found out when we told we were told you're gonna be on. I've gotten some tweets, and you know what they told us? They said quality greater sign quantity. Yeah, they like the show better <laughs> without without uh, as many people involved. That's fair. Just saying, that's, that's, that's what I heard. I mean, I've always been a quality guy over quantity. Huh. I don't know if you are, Greggy. I mean, maybe you prefer, you know, dumpster diving. I don't know. I'm on a dumpster dive. I just don't like owning terrible players on my team. That's kind of where I'm at. They're not terrible by any stretch. They're very talented, actually. I mean, Jeff Samarja, Greg. I mean, he's a he's a quantity guy, right? <laughs> Can we get some Jeff Samarja going here on a Friday? <laughs> that's exactly what we're getting. That's exactly what we're getting into. Um, Florio's here on the show to help us break down opening day, what we learn, what matters, what doesn't. Fact and fiction. Uh, hour two will bring venture upstairs. We'll go over some of the waiver wire stuff uh, that you need to know about, and I think it all kind of ties in together. So, Florio, uh, I would ask how your opening day was, but I know it because you were sending funny tweets out all day. <laughs> yeah, I watched baseball all day. I mean, I, I like that that's a bad thing to you. Like, we wait months for baseball. It's opening day. I'm very excited. I watched as much as I possibly can, and to you, that's a bad thing. No, 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 no. That's not a bad thing. Wait, me, Mike, you mean you weren't watching uh, March Madness last night? I was. I did not. That's pathetic. Me neither. If, if Syracuse was in it, I would be. I was definitely watching March. You think I was watching, no the, you think I was watching the Red Sox and Mariners last I night? I loved every oh second of it, God. Greg. The Red Sox getting crushed. Are you serious? Let's go. No, I was, I well, was watching March Madness. It went to overtime last night. Baseball was over by 7 p.m. my time. So I'm currently re-watching the last season of Game of Thrones. Respect. So that's what I watched last night. Respect. Like it. No issue. Speaking of the West Coast, Mike, how, how is that you know transition? I mean, you got baseball on at like 10 o'clock in the morning when the games start at 1 o'clock here. So how is that? It's, it's strange. Like, I like the 10 a.m. start. Like, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow being able to just, like, watch the Mets while eating breakfast if I want. But I'm not as much looking forward to the 4.30, 4 o'clock starts because right. that's, like, right in the middle of your day. Yeah, of course. That makes sense. And then you have nothing going on at night either, so... To be totally fair to you, Florio, your tweets were better than Frank's yesterday. I will admit that. <laughs> Frank's Why? tweets were awful yesterday. Like Frank, so we went through 
tweets on the show yesterday, and before you were the praising show. mine. Well, that was you were before. praising my tweets. Absolutely, they were great. You were crushing Florida for his Ryan correct. Hearn. Oh, absolutely. They got much worse. Here are some of the <laughs> tweets that Frank Stample tweeted out yesterday. <clears throat> Greg Sussman, who tweets once every three months. Right, exactly. About politics of the Giants. Yes. <laughs> Here are some of Frank's tweets from yesterday, everybody. Frank Stample, Tim Beckham or Babe Ruth? Fair tweet. That was a whole tweet. Fair question, Greg. Right. You wouldn't right. know if you were watching the games. Uh, the, because we didn't know that Austin Meadows hit a home run, he tweeted out, Austin Meadows, lead off Jimmy Jack off Verlander. Hardcore analysis there from Frank. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people who are working and go on Twitter to find out what's going on in the game. So you, you, you think that you think that's that's what you're that people follow you for to find out what's happening in I, random games. I used to follow people like if I was in college or something or working and I, I couldn't watch the games, I would go on Twitter to find out what's going on in the games. Yes. Then he had uh, then Florida, he had a Joe Galina like tweet where he subtweeted Roto oh, Baseball man. where Starling Starling Marte scratched due to a migraine, which you texted we have, us. We have him on our team. Um, and then I was sad. And then Frank tweeted out. Come on, man. It got seven likes. <laughs> I, Greg, I don't know why you have, I, I mean, you and Frank could duke it out. I, at least Frank tweets, but. Sure, sure. I, I don't understand why, like, you didn't like my Ryan O'Hearn or Shinshu Chu tweets. Like, you're I think very, that's relevant. You are, you, so one more tweet for you. One more tweet. And um, when it comes to Twitter, in all honesty, Florio, quality greater than quantity. So. <laughs> <laughs> he t- Frank tweeted out this yesterday. Josh Hader going for the old six-out save on opening day here against the Cardinals. That's the tweet. Yeah, if people aren't watching and, and that's, they and want that's an update on what the And what do you mean here against the Cardinals? You weren't, in, you weren't in Milwaukee. You, you weren't there. It wasn't here against the Cardinals. That seems nitpicky. Yeah. I, I believe this Semantic entire segment great. is nitpicky, Florio. If I must great, 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 great. I mean, we could spend I, a I'm whole not... hour talking about, like, you know, Greg Sussman things that we don't like. Sure. But I don't think people, <laughs> people want to hear that. You're not fully wrong, and like I'm sure I have bad tweets. Frank has bad. I tweets, read them yesterday. But, yeah, but at least we at least we tweet quality greater but, sign quantity, Florio. When it comes to Twitter, you don't even. The other day, Frank, you were in, in this tweet. I think Greg answered a question, and someone said, "Wow, like <laughs> you're not a man of the people." And Greg got offended and said he was. I did. And it was like. You're not a man of the people because you never answer any of their questions. Oh, I, I answer their tweets. If you ask me questions, I answer them. I just don't respond. I just don't get all butthurt when Ryan O'Hearn's not playing. And Frankie well, Schwindel I, is instead. I, I think that's very relevant. It was against a lefty. He is, So are we potentially seeing a platoon? And for a guy that I've advocated on drafting and I've drafted a lot of shares of, I think he's this year's Jesus Aguilar, it is a little bit concerning that he wasn't in the lineup opening day. I'm sorry, man. Greggy, Greggy, Greggy. Should we only talk about elite players? And, and no, no, we should talk about not, not elite players. Greg, Greg plays an eight-team home league. I play in a 12-team home league. He doesn't know anything beyond 150 players. It's 12 teams. There are definitely some players that I did not know yesterday. I will admit that. And the, basically the entire Who giant. I know Connor Joe. Connor Joe and Michael Steele. Was it Michael Steele? Is that his name? Michael Reed. Michael Reed. Michael Steele's a politician. Um, Matt, Michael Reed and Connor <laughs> Joe. I did not know who they were, admittedly. Greg, Greg would throw out politicians. I didn't know that. By, I did that by accident. But Florio, did, did you know who Connor Joe and Michael Reed were before yesterday? Admittedly, I know I did. No. Okay. No. Right. No. You looked them up on the show. I we out, did. I gave out their minor league profile. It was good. Michael Reed, pretty good player. Uh, not really. All right. They both had good batting average in the minors. They were really Who's worse, the Giants or the Orioles? The Orioles, the Orioles are, are worse, are worse but the Giants yeah. are very bad. 
think the Orioles are worse. I, think, I agree with you. I think the Giants lineup is worse. I don't think so. Jonathan VR is their three hitter, Mike. I mean, he no, it's not very be a bad. Hitter on but any team. They have, they do have VR. They have like Mullins, who has some upside. Trey Mancini, like I, I get Posey, but after Posey, there's no one I'm excited for in the Giants. Oh, you're not a Longoria maybe, guy. Maybe they have a better. Maybe it's not better real life, but I think it's more exciting for fantasy in their lineup than in the Giants. That might be true. He's Way better ballpark too. I mean, Camden, Greater Sign, Oracle Park, whatever it's called. Oh, I don't. Oh, have you been there, dude? It's gorgeous. No, I just don't like that. Every it seems like every other uh, ballpark is changing names now. So I, yeah, I agree. It's, so it's Oracle it, that, Park now instead of AT and T. Right. I think Safeco changed their name too. I I don't even know what it's called. I think it's T Mobile Park now in Seattle. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I think I'm going to whatever the Giants one is called now. I think I'm going in June. Have you been there yet, Florida? No, I have it's not a, been. To awesome San stadium. Fran. Awesome stadium. You like? Pizza? Yeah, it's only. It's only six hours away from me now, so I yep. could swing that. Yep, absolutely. Six hours, man. Have you been to? Have you been to the Dodgers and Anaheim? Have you been to those two stadiums? No, but I might be going to LA this weekend, and then I'm going to go to a lot of Angels games because I'm more excited for the Angels for some reason. I want to see a lot of Mike Trout. I think the Angels are going to the playoffs. Yeah, but Mike, you're an AJ. Pollock yeah, I, I picked them on. as a. Got to go watch I'm the Dodgers. AJ Pollock. Oh, yeah. No, I, I love Pollock, Turner, Muncie, and I love their whole rotation, but I, I just, for some reason, I'm excited about going to Anaheim. Greggy, I have both L.A. teams in the playoffs, Same. too. Sick. Yeah, nice. I always like Florida. Who did I have? Second oh, wild card. Yeah, right, for the exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had the Twins as a second wild card. Okay, Mikey. Look, well, he's trusting Frank, the Dark Knight, you know? <laughs> I'm not. Is Harvey <laughs> on the mound today? Uh, he is. Yes. Oh, it's a, it's a Harvey Friday, huh? Wow. This is exciting, Florio, for you. I can't believe you're not going to the game today. Fulmer, Fulmer Friday, greater sign Harvey Friday. Is it? No, no. Fulmer, <laughs> Fulmer is... Just saying, Fulmer Friday, greater sign Harvey Friday? Love, love you, Fulmer Friday. Oh, man. We'll see you again one day. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get into baseball from yesterday. Try to figure out what matters, because we only have like 48 minutes left of Florio. Time flies when you're having fun. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually going to start. This looks so ridiculous. But I'm going to start in this Giants-Padres game because I think there's a lot here. Is that, is that crazy? I don't think it is. I'm going to start. Chris Sale's a pretty, pretty big story. It's a huge story. It's a huge story. Well, I'm going to get to Chris Sale. We're going to get to Zachary and Key, too. But Eric Lauer versus Madison Baumgartner, the pitching duel we didn't know we needed, Florio. <laughs> I asked Frank before this. I texted him when we were going over waivers last weekend with, with GDD and GST. I go, should we talk about Eric Lauer? And he said, No. And I was like, okay. And when I point, and then during the week, I pointed out that playing the Giants, like, well, you should have brought that up to me last weekend. I would have been, I would have been more interested. Lauer went six shutout innings, allowed uh, just one walk, three strikeouts. He was absolutely fantastic. Just allowed four hits. Only pitched seventy pitches. Obviously, it's day one. On the other side, Bummy was was really, really good. Seven innings, five hits, two runs, walked one, struck out nine. Who do you trust more in their next start, regardless of opponent, Florio, Bummy or Eric Lauer? I mean, it's Madison Bumgarner because he, while he is not what he used to be, he, I still have a little bit more faith in him than I do with Lar. And I'll tell you, I, in my article for The Athletic this week, I wrote, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, it was on Fantrax. One of my bold predictions was that 
Uh, Madison Bumgarner gets dropped in September because I was thinking he's going to get traded by like June or July. And if you look at his home road splits, I mean, that ballpark is what saved him last year. His ERA on the road was just under five and at home it was below two. So we know that ballpark plays tremendously, especially for left-handed pitchers. But it's already one start and Mad Bum might already be making me look wrong. And I'm willing to admit that like... I'm going to be putting something out on my Patreon page after the show today where I kind of go really in-depth on on pitch usage and velocity of all this, uh, of most of the starters from yesterday. And Mad Bum threw a, pit, a harder pitch last year uh, – yesterday, I'm sorry – than he did in any start last year. So maybe his velocity is back. He averaged 92 miles per hour. That's something we hadn't seen him do since 2015. So – Perhaps, and typically with starting pitchers, their first starts, velocity is usually down a tick. So seeing that his velocity is already up from last year, plus the fact that he really, it was something he started to do last year, his fastball gets crushed. I mean, hitters literally had the same ISO on his fastball as Christian Yelich had last year. So they're hitting him as if like they were all the NL MVP, but he threw his fastball, he reduced that to, uh, to 34%. And... And, and last, uh, I'm sorry, it's at 31%. Last year it was 34%. And he really started to throw his cutter more than he did at any point last year. And that is his best pitch. And he had nine of his uh, 16 swinging strikes off of that cutter. So if there's one thing Mad Bum can do to save his value, it is really, one, it, would, it relies on the velocity. And two, it's through that cutter more than his fastball. And we saw him do that yesterday. So I am a little bit more intrigued than I was, you know, at this time yesterday. Frank, the Padres lineup isn't the crappy lineup where you're kind of used to. It's a pretty good lineup there uh, for San Diego yesterday, and Bummy carved through them. And we talked about, we talked about it on the show yesterday how they really just went with almost all righties in, in this lineup to try to make it uh, harder on Bumgarner, and he pitched really, really well. Obviously, Florio is excited. Which one of these guys would you prefer between uh, Laura and Madison Bumgarner going forward? Yeah, I would take Madison Bumgarner as well. Uh, starting to reinvent himself here now. Well, you know, let's let's see if this is a trend, something that continues throughout his starts. But Mike's right. I mean, he threw his, his cutter 39 times out of 92 pitches yesterday. That was basically his bread and butter. He was using that uh, as his fastball. He was establishing the strike zone. I was watching this game, um, and he was using a lot of off-speed pitches early on in counts. He wasn't. It's like he knows that his fastball is really bad. So. You know, normally we see this out of pitchers, you know, in their mid-30s. They have to reinvent themselves. They have to start to use more breaking uh, pitches. They have to uh, become a little bit more savvy. And it seems like, okay, maybe that's what Madison Bumgarner is doing here. And I ranked him, you know, very lowly, admittedly. He was outside my top 40 starting pitchers uh, because I was projecting based on what we've seen from Madison Bumgarner in the past. Uh, But now, if he's reinventing himself and doing something different, I mean, he had 16 swinging strikes totally yesterday out of 92 pitches. That is a huge amount, and Mike's right about you know, nine of those coming on the cutter. So, so I'm intrigued here from Bumgarner. Uh, let's see if he can continue this. You know, he didn't look very good in the spring, so let's see if this was just a one-star thing or you know, if people start to pick on, the, uh, on this cutter a little bit more. Eric Lauer, he only had five swinging strikes yesterday, only threw 70 pitches. I think this is just a reminder. We're going to be streaming pitchers against the San Francisco Giants all season long. Uh, I don't really like upside of Eric Lauer. I don't really think there's much there. Uh, but against the Giants, sure, I'll be streaming Eric Lauer against them. Uh, but Bumgarner definitely has my attention. I want to pay attention to uh, pay attention to these uh, the, these swinging strikes moving forward, and specifically with the cutter. 
uh, his usage with that. And that's what you always point out, Frank. What is different from the past? Madison Bumgarner potentially reinventing himself, uh, putting himself back on the fantasy radars for sure. Let's dive into the hitters in this game. Obviously, not too much to take away from. Uh, it was only one day. The Giants is nothing really interesting here. Uh, over to over to San Diego, where Fernando Tatis was batting six, went two for three, uh, while Manny Machado goes over three uh, with two strikeouts. Have to be encouraged, gentlemen, by Tatis batting in the sixth hole. Fred Mel Reyes was your cleanup hitter until he got a double switched out. He he went 0 for 3. Frank, you pointed out yesterday before the before this game began, Hunter Renfro was not even in the lineup uh, while Manny Margot batted, uh, batted 7th here, and he went 0 for 3. What did you make of the lineup yesterday for San Diego, and what can we take from it going forward? Uh, yeah, I, I think it makes sense where it was at. I, I know you mentioned Manny, Manny Margot. Maybe he should have let off instead of Ian Kinsler, but they want to go with the veteran. I think it makes sense. It's fine. I think it's a very good lineup from top to bottom. Uh, I, st- I stand by what I said when, regarding Hunter Renfro. Um, look, they were going up against a lefty, and he wasn't in the lineup. They're going up against Derek Holland again tonight, another lefty. Let's see if Hunter Renfro is in there. But this was kind of the worry when it came to the San Diego Padres. I wanted more shares of Fran Reyes. I think he can be an awesome player. But does he sit tonight in favor of a guy like Hunter Renfro? Uh, we'll find that out, you know, once the lineups are released. But, you know, Tatis batting six, I think that's encouraging. Uh, unfortunately, he was picked off and caught stealing, so that was not great. Uh, but he did get two hits in his first game, so... Silencing the critics, at least for one game. We're going to take a break. When we come back, let's get into Florio's Dodgers here um, and what they did against Zach Greinke and Arizona. We're also going to get into Chris Sale and if there's any concern there. Stick around. There's more on the way. Fantasy BFFs reunited. The prodigal BFF returns. <laughs> DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day. 10 an hour. One person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621. 866-484-9621. That's 866-484-9621. Game time decisions. As we went through uh, yesterday uh, uh, with uh, the guys uh, in the booth, uh, Mike goes on, Mike goes off. Yeah, Mike goes on, Mike goes off. See, Gabe, it's not me. It's from their end. Yeah, no, no, it, it is on their end. And it's too bad because they had a no-hitter going today, but, you know. They sure did. It was a great performance. Yeah. Guys that, like, work with know how to turn buttons on and off. You know what I mean? Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. So I hope you can stand the vibration, because we're about to rock the entire nation. All right? Here we go. Let's say boom, boom, boom. 
Best friends forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Frank Stample, Michael Florio, Greg Sussman, your BFFs reunited. Mm. I'll be honest with you, it does feel so good. Nice. <laughs> nice. Who paid you to say that, Greg? Mike. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yesterday, guys, last night, the game I didn't watch because I was watching March Madness, it was Chris Sale and the Red Sox in Seattle. Seattle Mariners, just as we all predicted, 3 0 on the season. As a matter of defeat of the Red Sox. I who you were mocking. Them. I told you who I was going to mock when I said that. I told you yesterday. Never mind. Right. Uh, tell, me, tell me in a break, I guess. I will. 12-4, Seattle uh, beats up on Boston. Chris Sale got lit up. Three innings, seven earned runs, two walks, four Ks. Frankie, you said you were watching this. How bad did Sale actually look? He looked pretty bad. I thought the broadcast did a good job of bringing up that he's behind everyone else in terms of, you know, spring training. I believe he only pitched nine innings in the spring. And, you know, A-Rod, uh, much like Tony Romo, much, you know, once he goes into broadcasting, it seems like everyone loves him. Uh, but he kept saying that, you know, he expects Chris Sale to be Chris Sale come May because that's when he's going to be, you know, closer to where everyone else is at right now. So, I thought that was a good point. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't concerned, though, because I have Chris Sale in the main event, and, you know, I was debating him versus Garrett Cole, but, you know, playing for an overall, I, I, I just thought that Chris Sale had more upside. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't concerned, though, at least a little bit, Greg. I mean, the fastball velocity was down 92.2 miles per hour average fastball velocity yesterday. Last season, it was 94.7. I understand it's only his first start, but we're talking about two and a half miles per hour difference from last year to this year. Uh, he was missing his spots. He didn't look sharp. He was falling behind in counts. He was walking a bunch of – like, he walked David Freitas. When's the last time you've seen Chris Sale walk someone like that? That's how I knew he was off right away. I've seen, I seen that early in the game. Like, okay, Chris Sale's walking bums. He just doesn't have it. And then he gives up, you know, two home runs to Tim Beckham. They were smacking him around a little bit. Uh, as much fun as it was to watch as a Yankee fan, uh, as an owner of Chris Sale, uh, it was not. So I'm not completely freaking out. Oh, you got to trade Chris Sale right away. And if you believe that – he is going to get better uh, the more innings that he gets under his belt. Then you should be sending out trade offers right now to buy low on him. Uh, but personally, I'm not going to overreact too much, but it definitely, definitely has my attention, Greg. Let me go over to you, Florio. And I want to take the other side of this. For Seattle, we've now seen Tim Beckham really hit. Is this real when it comes to Tim Beckham? No, we've seen Tim Beckham heat up before, and then he comes back to being Tim Beckham. Like, remember... Two years ago in GST, we were getting – well, we were on different teams then, but sure. uh, me and Joe Galina, were fe- we were getting trade offers as if Tim Beckham was an all-star. And we were just like, this isn't going to last. And by the end of the year, he was back on the waiver wire. So this is Tim Beckham. He's one of the streakiest hitters in baseball. All right, so no no true love for Tim Beckham. We will have true love for Domingo uh, Santana. Can can I on, – on Chris Sale, though? Yeah. Because um, a lot of people on Twitter yesterday were saying, oh, his velocity was down to start last year. And that's kind of true. He he averaged 94, 92.9, 93.9, and then 90.8. So really, only one of those first four starts last year was his average fastball velocity lower than it was yesterday. And he didn't touch 95 yesterday. That's something he did in all four of those starts last year. So I am I, I, I agree with Frank. I do think there is reason to be a little bit worried here. All right, so some cause for concern when it comes to Chris Sale. I know you're obviously... 
Very, very nervous about that, given your ownership, Frank, uh, of Chris Sale. Hopefully it'll turn around quickly. Another starter who let you down yesterday was Zach Grinke for the Arizona Diamondbacks, who got lit up in his own right uh, against the Dodgers yesterday. Dodgers beat Arizona 12-5. to It was Zach Grinke going just three and two-thirds, allowing seven runs in his own right. Uh, well, the Dodgers, as I mentioned, put up 12. I'll start with you this time, Florio. It's out in L.A. Um, how concerned should owners be about Zach Grinke? I'm actually less concerned about Granky than I am with Sale. First, the investment in Sale was was higher, so obviously you expect better results there. But Granky, similar to Sale, had velocity down from last year. Last year he averaged 90.7 miles per hour on the fastball. Yesterday it was 88.5, but he did max out yesterday at 93.5, which is on par with what he, his hardest he was throwing last year. And I looked back on him. Uh, his first starts from last season. And in all of April, he was throwing upper 80s, 88, 89. And it wasn't really until May that we saw him get back into consistently throwing 90-plus with the fastball. He's not a guy who's going to light light up the radar gun. He's going to sit 90, 91 miles per hour. But that's a big difference between sitting 88, 89. So I think as the month of April goes on, as it starts to warm up, you typically do start to see a jump in velocity as the weather starts to warm up. So I, And a lot of pitchers had velocity down yesterday, at least from what I've seen so far. And and Granky was no different. Yeah. Frank, I was the same question goes to you. Yeah, I do agree with Mike that I'm more worried about Chris Sale just because of the investment. I mean, a borderline for, for second round pick. Granky, you were getting anywhere from, I don't know, round four to six as maybe your SP2, sometimes maybe your SP3. Um, but look, he wasn't fooling anyone yesterday. He only had five swinging strikes. He got hit hard. He gave up four home runs. Um, the velocity was down again. It was down last year. He pitched uh, to an average. Fastball velocity of 89.5 last year. So he was, you know, around 88 and a half yesterday. He's probably going to get better. But, Greg, you know that I was off Zach Greggy uh, pretty much all draft season just because, more so than like any other older pitcher, the fact that his fastball like velocity was declining and in the second half his FIP was over four last year, I didn't want any shares. Yeah. Because this struck me as someone who can, it can, it can happen like that, mm-hmm. you know? Like it could, it, he could just kind of fall off the face of the planet. Especially because the Diamondbacks aren't going to good uh, be as good as last year. Is the is the run support going to be there? So I worry about all these things with Granky, uh, but I do agree. You know, I'm, I have much more concern about Chris Sale, obviously, just because, because of where, where he was drafted, going. of course. Uh, but I'm not really surprised by the Granky stuff. He'll he'll, he'll, be, he'll be better for sure. Right. But I have zero shares, and I didn't really want anything to do with it. The exciting part, of course, was the Dodgers putting up 12 runs. And I think the most frustrating thing in all of fantasy sports is when you look at the team. You see a team has 12 runs. You're like, really excited to check the box score and see how your player did. And then your player goes 0 for 5. Like, there is Justin not Turner? a more frustrating feeling than you see Justin Turner's 0 for 5. I have a lot of Justin Turner. I used him in daily yesterday. Uh, I mean, I also have, I have probably more shares of Max Muncy than any hitter, I would imagine. So I was very happy to see him hit cleanup and go, go deep. But, Greg, yeah, I do have some Justin Turner shares. So that happened to me as well. Kiki Hernandez was awesome yesterday for the Dodgers. This whole lineup is basically the waiver wire column for the day. Like, Jock Peterson, Kiki Hernandez, and Austin Barnes. I'm already getting questions about a lot of those guys. All right, so why don't you answer those questions? Jock Peterson, Kiki Hernandez, and Austin Barnes. Buy or sell? Buy or not buy, I guess. Not really selling. I'm more so likely to buy Kike Hernandez and Austin Barnes than I am Jock Peterson. Really? Still worry about the splits at times. Look, Jock Peterson, uh, kind of like Tim Beckham, right? Feels like he does this every year where he gets hot. He can have these games, uh, these stretches where he hits like multiple home runs. And when he's going re- really good, 
Yeah, you love Jock Peterson, but we've also seen the downside to him. You know, maybe he takes that next step, the step that we've always expected him to do. I don't want to overreact too much to one game, but I think it's good to see from guys like Kike Hernandez and Austin Barnes, those guys are going to be in the lineup mostly all the time. You know, Kike was named the starting second baseman for this team, and you know they'll move things around at times. They'll get Chris Taylor in there, but it seems like he's going to play every single day, and he's, you know, he cut down his strikeout rate significantly last year. Uh, kind of reminds me a lot of Wilmer Flores, where we used to view Kike as just a lefty masher. He actually got better last year against righties, too. So uh, I'm pretty intrigued by Kike Hernandez. And then Austin Barnes, people wanted him to be a thing last year. Uh, it didn't happen. He didn't take over as a starter, as many predicted. Yasmani Grandal was still that guy. But he's going to be the starting uh, catcher for the Dodgers. More often than not. Yeah, most of the time. Russell Martin is there. But I'd say if they play six games, he'll probably play at least four of them okay. in a week. Yep. Uh, and, you know, he has good OBP, so he's good for points leagues. He's good for OBP. and has a little bit of pop. So I'm more intrigued by Kike and Barnes than I am with John. What about you, Florio? These guys that we'll be texting over the weekend that we're going to be talking about adding? Yeah, I think Barnes because, you know, he's a catcher. But it's funny because I have the actually the exact opposite stance of Frank. Like, I'm most excited about Jock Peterson. This is a guy who's hit 25-plus home runs in three of the last four years. He's going to give you, at least before last year where we saw the walk rate dip, he was always a solid source of OBP. Uh, I don't own him in points leagues because of the platoon splits, but in my 15-team roto leagues, I own him, I think, in all of them because he was going so late. Uh, but he is going to play in the heavy side of the platoon against righties, he, which he mashes, as we know. He hit leadoff yesterday, which is amazing to me because leadoff hitters averaged last year across the 30 teams 106 runs. No other spot in the order averaged more than 96, and that was a two-hole. And then you start to see a drop-off. You see a drop-off of 10 runs from lead first to second and then about six runs per spot in the batting order. So I think he can give you runs there. I think he can give you more power than the other guys. And if you're in an OBP league, he's not going to crush you there either. So I'm actually intrigued. I've always been a Jock Peterson guy, and I continue to own him this year. I like Jock Peterson too. For me, me, he is the... um... He's the favorite out of all of these guys. I think Jock Peterson, mainly because we've seen him do it in stretches before. Florio gave you the numbers of what he's done each of the last couple of years. And I like Jock Peterson, man. I, he's better for daily leagues, which I know you play in. Because yeah. obviously you could plug him into your lineup whenever he's in the lineup or whenever they're facing right-handed pitching. I thought the Dodgers lineup was actually interesting yesterday, Greg, and we spoke about this. You know, Cody Bellinger all the way down at six, Pollock hitting fifth. You know, I thought Pollock you know, would have let off for the Dodgers, but, you know... It, I think he leads off against lefties. That probably makes sense, uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, look, Jock Peterson's going to lead off here uh, against some right-handed pitching, but it just seems very streaky. Like, we kind of know who Jock Peterson is. Maybe this is the year where he puts it all together. Uh, I just have a little bit more intrigue from a guy like Kike Hernandez. You know, I said this about Tim Beckham, too. Anytime we have a middle infielder who's, who could potentially hit 20-plus home runs, they're on your radar. Right. A lot of people are asking questions about Kike Hernandez. Look, this is a, this is a great lineup, too. Top to bottom for the Dodgers here. So, um, you know, a lot of people excited about him. He hits two home runs yesterday. Let's not overreact too much. But I think he's one of these guys who you should be excited about based on what he's doing. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. As long as he continues to play over Chris Taylor. Remember, if he slumps, then Chris Taylor may get an opportunity. But right now, Kiki Hernandez, obviously, after the performance yesterday, very much uh, solidified as the starting second baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers. My man, Wilmer Flores, he goes one for four yesterday. That was disappointing. Christian Walker, Frank, went one, two for four. So, yeah, Christian Walker, we bring him up an hour or two, potentially, if we're talking about waiver wire. Just something deeper. I thought it was worth mentioning that Christian Walker, uh, he played yesterday because they were going up against Ryu. He's, uh, he's on the, the, the lefty side of a platoon here for the Diamondbacks. Uh, Jake Lamb wasn't in the lineup. 
But the home run that he hit actually came against a right-handed reliever. So, and, you know, Christian Walker, you've heard the name before, Greg, because this is someone who Nando has been touting for years. He has serious power upside, just hasn't really been giving the opportunity to play every day. So, if Jake Lamb does Jake Lamb things and kind of just sucks all season, maybe we see more playing time from Christian Walker. So, this is more deeper leagues, 15-teamers, you know, maybe NL only. I've added Christian Walker to a few scout teams. I know you love those scout teams. Sure. Greg, Ryu Yes. Oh, sorry, I was gonna say Ryu, like Frank just said, he's a quality guy. He's not a quantity guy. He and he gave is. me big nu- he gave me big numbers yesterday. I like Ryu. Greg doesn't like this. No, I like I like Ryu. I, I, I actually it's weird because the I make fun of you a lot, obviously, for the quantity and quality of the stuff. But I like all the Dodgers pitchers. I think like the Dodgers are like the exception to to my bashing of that rule. I think the Dodgers are all but, good. But they are like the poster <laughs> of of my strategy. Like I have a ton of shares of, of most of those pitchers. Ex- Believe it or not, the only one I don't think I have any share of is Walker Bueller. Well, because he was going the highest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course. Yeah. He was going 12, or like in the top 12, and he, to me, was the tw- was the one I had last of those aces. So that that's the reason why. But, yeah, I don't have – I he's the only one. Like, Ross Stripling tonight, I, I love him tonight. In general, or you love him, you write him a well, little. Ross, like Ross Stripling, Ross Stripling is my starter in our contest today, Frank. He's my starting pitcher. That's a, that's a great start, Greggy, because the Diamondbacks last year were in the bottom five in Woba against righties. So I like this, looking at this lineup. They don't really have any big lefty, you know, power hitters. It's David Peralta, but like Wilmer Flores, Eduardo Escobar, Adam Jones. Like this is this is a mostly right-handed dominant lineup here for the Diamondbacks. So. Probably not a bad, bad play there. A little, little GPP action, great. Let, I'm letting you know, in our tournament, Fantasy FB you can sign up for the contest right now. All you have to do is tweet at Frank, I believe, and he'll get you in the contest. That's how it's going to work. Yeah, I'll also tweet out the link. So if you just see the link, you can join later on in the day. Or, you, again, you can just send me your username, and then I'll send you an invite. Mike, do you have any interest in DFS? Uh, $2. Not doing that. I've been playing on DraftKings. I don't know if I have any money in my FanDuel. i got to check. Right, if well, I do, if I'll if play. If you want to join, you let me know. Okay. I wanted to get into another surprising battle yesterday, and that was between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Detroit Tigers. Much like the Padres and Giants, we didn't exactly think we'd get into this, but here we are in hour one, making sure we hit it because it's worth it. It was Jordan Zimmerman versus Marcus Stroman, and these two guys, well, they had a good old-fashioned pitcher's duel. Zimmerman was perfect through six, allowed just an infield hit uh, in the seventh, and that was it. No walks, four strikeouts. He was fantastic. Marcus Stroman... Almost just as good. Two hits, four walks, but struck out seven. If you're looking at the bullpens here, Ken Giles pitched the ninth in a tie game, struck out the side on 12 pitches. He was amazing. For Detroit, it was Shane Green, as expected, getting the save opportunity in extra innings. And he struck out a guy, and well, clean inning for Shane Green as well. Really good pitchers duel between Detroit and Toronto. Michael, start with you here. Any interest in Marcus Stroman and or Jordan Zimmerman going forward? Not really Jordan Zimmerman, but yes, with Marcus Stroman. His velocity was on par with what it was last year. So hopefully he can really start to see gains as the year goes on because you want him to get back to what he was before last year. But last year was a, a, a really a lost year health-wise for Stroman. He, he was battling injuries all year long. Plus, you look at the pitch usage from yesterday. He was throwing his cutter more than he really did on average last season. Kind of cut back on that sinker. So per- and, and threw his slider really heavy yesterday. And those were really the two pitches getting the swings and misses for him. So if this is a change in Marcus Stroman's game. I, I'm taking notice. But Jordan Zimmerman, not as much. That Blue Jays lineup is... 
is pretty gross. Both lineups are gross, so you got to take both of these performances with a grain of salt. But I'm more intrigued by Marcus Stroman. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Is is this fool's gold, Greg? Because it's the lineups that they were facing. It was obviously Stroman going up against the Tigers and Jordan Zimmerman against the Blue Jays. Uh, not exactly murderer, murderer's row here, uh, but Stroman definitely has my attention from yesterday. Uh, kind of similar to Madison Bumgarner. Those were the two big takeaways uh, in terms of swinging strikes. Marcus Stroman had 16 swinging strikes yesterday, 11 coming on that slider alone. Uh, if you've seen any of the gifts on Twitter, following Pitching Ninja, um, that slider was lights out. It was nasty yesterday. Still had issues with the walks. That's kind of always been the issue for Marcus Stroman. He walks too many guys, um, and he can't mitigate that because he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, so he relies a lot on ground balls and double plays. So uh, you, I want to see the command be better for Stroman, but definitely intrigued by the fact that he had 16 swinging strikes yesterday. And Jordan Zimmerman, okay, it was against the Blue Jays, but he actually had 12 swinging strikes. He had at least swing, three swing, swinging strikes on three different pitches. So... I agree. I don't have a lot of faith in Jordan Zimmerman. We've seen kind of, especially last year too, there was a stretch where he was pitching well. You're going to get some of these okay starts from Jordan Zimmerman, but you're also going to get some blow up. So I don't have a lot of faith in him. Uh, Marcus Stroman can be much better, especially for points leagues. Um, he's the one that I'm really paying attention to, but it was against the Tigers. Uh, let's see how he does against, you know, Yankees and Red Sox, who he's going to have to face a lot. Absolutely, and that's one of the scary conundrums about drafting a Toronto Blue Jays pitcher or any pitcher in the AL East, these tough matchups they have. Speaking of AL East pitchers, one of them got bombed yesterday, and that one, Mike's boy. We'll talk about if you should be nervous about Blake Snell, we'll talk about Justin Verlander and what the Astros and Rays did, and a whole lot more when we return. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Great music choice. Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. It's calling the shot. I believe that the Thursday and Friday, the first Thursday and Friday of March Madness, those games will be, begin at like 12.30 p.m. Eastern, okay? I believe that there should be no classes on those two days past 12 o'clock. So I'm not saying to cancel all classes because, let, let's be honest, not everyone likes sports. I might even say, you know, 8 to 1. You can miss a little bit of the first game. I'm cool with that. Weekdays, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% 
10 at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network. Kids. We're back on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Frank Stanfield, Michael Florio, Greg Sussman here with you. Hour one of the BFFs, hour two. Chris Ventura uh, will join us to talk about everything from yesterday, previewing games today, and hitting the waiver wire as well. As I alluded to before the break, we got to get to your boy, the man that won you, Florio, I'm going to be honest with you, won you the, what, FSWA Award for Baseball Article of the Year? And that was your article on Blake Snell, just calling the breakout and what a breakout it was. The sub two ERA wins the Cy Young and has a matchup yesterday against Justin Verlander and the Astros at home. And I remember looking at him because I have Blake Snell on my team, one of my teams, and I'm like, this isn't going to be good. It wasn't. It, it wasn't good. As Blake Snell allowed five runs on six hits in six innings, uh, he allowed quite a few home runs, one to Michael Brantley, one to Jose Altuve, and a monster shot to George Springer. I guess if you're looking for a silver lining, that was all he allowed, which is uh, three, three bad pitches that all uh, went for home runs. Only struck out three, though, walked two. Wasn't the best day for Blake Snell. No, it wasn't. I, I'm glad, though, you pointed out that all the runs he allowed were via the long ball. The Astros are a very, very tough lineup. I mean, it was two of them were George Springer and Michael Brantley, like you said, very good hitters. Uh, but I'm not worried about Blake Snell. If you remember last year, he had a, a similar uh, struggle early on where he faced the Yankees, another quality team, much like the Astros. And I looked at his velocity from yesterday, and he was sitting 95 miles per hour, which I'm like, hmm. That's down two miles per hour from what he was last year. But then if you look at it, his first three starts of last year, 95, 95, 95. And then in we really start to see the jump to 96. And then as the season goes on, he starts to hit 97 more. So I, I'm not worried yet. This is another one of those things. It's early in the season. It's cold. Pitchers are still coming into, you know, they're, they're not in midseason form yet. And again, it was all via the long ball against a tough, tough Astros team. I'm not worried about Blake Snell after one start. My only concern with Snell was that he struck out just three batters through those six innings while Jalen Beeks came in and struck out five in three innings. And Beeks, who had some prospect potential with the Red Sox, you know, maybe one of these guys that becomes an opener or one of these long, uh, several inning middle relievers for Tampa Bay. But Frank, I was just surprised by the only three strikeouts yesterday for Blake Snell. Yeah, again, look, it's a tough lineup. It got even tougher once they added Michael Brantley. He's a person who never strikes out. So, obviously, you're not going to try and stream your starting pitchers against the Houston Astros. But Blake Snell is, you know, he's not just your normal streaming pitcher. You're going to use him all the time regardless. So, you'll take the good with the bad. There's obviously going to be a lot more good with Blake Snell. Uh, but if you watch the George Springer home run, like, for up until that point, his curveball was like money. It was money. It was nasty. He hung one in the middle of the play, and, and that, you know, that can happen at times when you rely on a curveball as much as he did. And, you know, a lot of people said in the second half last year, um, you know, he didn't allow, uh, he didn't give up many home runs, and that's why the XFIP was so much higher than the ERA and stuff. So people, uh, they expected some, uh, some regression here for Blake Snell. I'm not overreacting to this one start, though. Again, tough lineup, and he hung one to, to George Springer, and he didn't miss it. I'm not, I'm not that worried about Blake Snell. I, like, I'm more worried about Chris Sale and guys like Zach Granke more than. 
On the other side, Justin Verlander, seven innings, only run on the allowed was a leadoff homer to your boy Austin Meadows, Frankie. Uh, three hits, struck out nine, so a very good start for Justin Verlander. Interesting. To Verlander. Know- Oops, yes. Sorry, Greggy. Yeah, Before you, I didn't. I, I didn't want you to move on. He uh, he threw ten changeups yesterday. He threw fifty-three changeups in all of twenty eighteen. So new pitch alert. Like we got to keep an eye on that going forward. Yes, yeah, so that was actually something he was working on in spring training. Was just throwing the changeup more. He threw the changeup like one percent of the time last year. And uh, pitching coach in Houston said you need to throw it more. And ten changeups yesterday. Absolutely something that's important to note uh, as Verlander tries to continue being as dominant as he has been in the past. The other thing I wanted to note was. Two players tried to steal against Blake Snell early in this game. Yuli Gurriel uh, and Michael Brantley both were caught stealing, but I wonder if that's a sign of things to come, Frank. This guy's taken off against Blake Snell. Yeah, I mean, that's what that was a supposed report uh, throughout spring was that they wanted to be more aggressive on the base pads this year, specifically with George Springer. I know he was running a little bit more in the spring. So. He didn't get a chance to. Yeah, he didn't get a chance to. I mean, he was, you know, he was trotting around the bases. He didn't need to steal any of them because, uh, you know, he obviously hit the home run against Blake Snell. Uh, but yeah, uh, good call on Verlander using the changeup yesterday. He had three different pitches, at least five swinging strikes. He had 23 total. So I think streaming against the Tampa Bay Rays for strikeouts this year might be something that we're looking at quite consistently. Uh, but Verlander obviously allows the leadoff home run and then settles in after that. Let's pay attention to the changeup usage. Uh, and yeah, for the Astros lineup, how much they're running because I think George Springer has the athleticism to run, just never really had the green light. Uh, he's been caught stealing a lot in his career. Uh, so let's see what happens here. I mean, steal 15 bases, I mean, that would elevate his value tremendously. Tommy Pham goes 2-4 uh, for four in his first game of the season. I just wanted to note that for Frank. I want to go over to the Reds and the Pirates now because you I... You know, I didn't end up with any shares of Tommy Pham. Really? It's like Nick Castellanos all over again from last year. Remember, I was all over yeah, Castellanos. Yeah. I didn't get him anywhere. Why? Well, yeah. more impressive. You passed on him in one draft. I think I have Tommy Pham in best ball, but in season long where I set my lineup, I didn't end up with him anywhere, Greg. That's crazy. Be more aggressive. Get your guy. I w- you know what? I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit worried about the shoulder that he was dealing with during the spring. Because it seems like he's always kind of banged up. So, you know, if I didn't have that, and maybe I shouldn't have paid attention to it because he's in the lineup. He's fine. It looks like second playing left field, yeah. So, uh, you know, it was something that I was looking at a little bit towards the end of draft season. That's when I had a lot of my drafts. Uh, but, you know, there were opportunities where if he would have fell to me in the fifth round, I would have taken him. But uh, a lot of the times it just it didn't work out. Super interesting game between the Reds and the Pirates here. Reds come away with a victory 5-3. to three. Let's start with the starting pitchers and then get into everything else, guys. As it was Luis Castillo against Jamison Tyon. Uh, Castillo, for those play- quality starts, league just missed it. Much like Tanaka yesterday. Tanaka, so annoying, yep. man. Five and two-thirds, two hits, one run. He walked three, struck out eight. Florio people on Twitter, fantasy Twitter, very excited and encouraged by Luis Castillo's first outing. Yeah, I think you should be. I, I watched that game. Both pitchers looked good, and I know it, it, the wheels fell off a little bit for Tyone towards the end. But watching both of these pitchers, they they both uh, they they looked very very strong. It was something that I don't think we really saw from Castillo a lot last year. So I am intrigued for the shares I have of him. And I know why you guys brought up Masahiro Tanaka. I just want to to vent real quick. Uh, Brett Gardner is a terrible center fielder <laughs> and cost cost Tanaka that quality start, and I was very upset. Noted. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> no problem. I don't know if you guys saw him go back on that play ball. It was it was atrocious. I did. Uh, Jameson Tyon, as you said, kind of unraveled. He was pitching really, really well. I know the strikeouts weren't there for Tyon. He had just four on the day. But he was just cruising right along into the seventh inning. And Jose Peraza leads off with the home run. And you're like, oh, this is annoying. And then it just like spiraled out of control from there. He gave up a walk, and then he gave up a double after that. And I think Jose Iglesias had an RBI double against him. 
I'm just sitting there saying to myself, really? Of all the people in the Reds lineup, you give up an RBI double to Jose Iglesias? Yeah. That was frustrating, but for most of that game, he was cruising along. Team control. I tweeted this out last night regarding Luis Castillo, drink Greg, um, that his slider velocity, specifically last uh, yesterday, was 85.3 miles per hour. And I looked at his month-by-month velocity last season on a slider. Uh, according to Brooks Baseball, it was never, uh, well, it, it didn't get over 85 until September when it was 86 miles per hour average velocity on a slider. Every other month, it was 84 or less. Specifically in the first month of the season, it was 83 miles per hour. So slider velocity already up to 85 uh, to start off the season. Uh, let's see if, uh, you know, if he can build off that. Obviously, the changeup is amazing. Uh, the fastball is what really troubles Castillo. He throws it really hard, uh, but it created right an arrow, and a lot of yeah. people square it up. Uh, so, obviously, he needs that changeup and slider to be working. The changeup was nasty yesterday. I believe 11 of his 14 swinging strikes came on that changeup. Let's get into the bullpen here, Florio, as it was... We were very concerned about what the usage would be for Rysel Iglesias and when he would wind up coming into the game. Well, he came into the game in the 80th inning as manager David Bell promised he would. Um, immediately allowed a homer to Corey Dickerson and then got three more outs. He started the ninth inning, um, walked the first batter, gets an out, pinch hitter, walks another batter. So they were letting, they were going to give Iglesias the opportunity to get the two inning save as we saw Josh Hader yesterday by the skin of his teeth. Um, and Eventually, they took Iglesias out, and then they were mixing and matching, and David Hernandez barely gets away with the save here. What do you take? What did we learn from Cincinnati's bullpen usage? I think Rissell Iglesias is clearly the the closer for this team, but it's going to be frustrating because they're going to use him for two innings, like you said, and they were going to allow him to go the two full innings and, and uh, pick up this save, but the pitch count got too high because he got into a jam, but... What we saw them do last year was when they use him for two innings, they don't like to use him the next day. And that is obviously, that caused him some save opportunities last year. And I think it's going to do so again this year. Uh, I thought Amir Garrett should have been used to finish out that game. He looked really, really impressive when he came in. Then they went to Hernandez and it was like a 14 pitch battle and he almost blew it. But I think because Iglesias, the way the Reds are going to use him, he is going to be their primary closer, but there's going to be more days than with other closers where he is simply unavailable because of how they use him. And I also, I worry a little bit, are they going to start using him more like an Andrew Miller where, hey, maybe, you know, the top of the order is coming up in the seventh and they look at it as, hey, we could get one through six out here right now by using Iglesias for two innings before going then to a Hernandez or a Garrett. So I am a little I, I didn't have Iglesias super high in my rankings. He's more of a borderline RP one high end RP two. And I think that's what we should value him going forward, because there are going to be a lot of. Days where he, I don't believe he is available because they used him for two innings the day before. Frankie, I know you weren't high on Russell Iglesias either, so you know, not a huge shock to you. And I think Florida actually broke it down really well what you'd expect from Iglesias going forward. So I wanted to then pivot to another bullpen situation that was actually in Kansas City, where again, I know it's not exactly a sexy matchup, but this is what we're looking at for fantasy information. The Royals were able to beat the White Sox five three. Carlos Rodon uh, went five and a third, three uh, three runs, two of them were earned. Struck out six against a not very good Kansas City lineup. We'll talk about Mondesi in a moment. Uh, Brad Keller, Frank, a guy that we were in on very very late in draft season. Seven shutout innings, two hits, five strikeouts. Is this something that we should note and, you know, take note of, like I mentioned, and maybe go out on the waiver wire and grab him? Brad Keller was awesome yesterday, and I actually suggested him as a stream uh, the night before uh, going up against the White Sox here. Seven shutout innings, only two hits, one walk, five strikeouts. But 
still just not doing enough in terms of getting swinging strikes. I don't think he has tremendous upside. People were talking about a velocity spike uh, during during spring training, and I looked at the velocity from yesterday. It was pretty much on par with what he was doing last year. Uh, and usually pitchers are have lower velocity early on in the season, so maybe it can rise a little bit. But pitches a lot to contact, relies on ground balls. The peripherals were a lot higher than the ERA last year. Uh, and he's not going to get a, a ton of run support most of the time uh, regarding Brad Keller. So I'm, I'm not really on hi- as high on him as everybody else. So the obvious question becomes, and I'll start with, I'll go to you first, Frankie. Would you rather have Brad Keller or Eric Lauer? Um, That's an easy one for me. I would take Keller just because I think they're going to allow him to go deeper into games. Like he pitched, he had over 90 pitches in this game, and Eric Lauer the first game, they only let him go 70. Florio said it was the easy one for you. What's the answer? Yeah, it's Brad. It's Brad Keller easily. And I, and Frank, I think the velocity being on par with last year is a very encouraging sign to me because first start of the year, it was suboptimal weather. They were in a long rain delay. We know how how cold it can be in the Midwest this time of year. So for him to really not be missing a beat velocity wise from where he was last year as a starter, and the fact that we also last year in as a reliever he was hitting 99 and as a starter hitting 98 with reports that he was consistently hitting 98-99 this spring. I think there is something to be excited about. Keller was someone that later in drafts I was trying to get. I know he's out on waiver wires and a lot of the the shallower leagues that I'm in, so he is a name on the waiver wire that I am definitely intrigued by, especially since he threw his slider more yesterday than he was last year and he had seven of his nine swinging strikes i'm not saying keller is going to be a pitcher who could set the world on fire i understand it was a favorable matchup for him but with seeing the velocity be on par perhaps as the weather starts to warm up he takes that next step and we do start to see that velocity increase that people were talking about in the spring brad keller somebody that you want to potentially grab off the waiver wire this weekend we'll talk about hour two how much you're going to want to put down on him the re the relievers in this game for kansas city is where we're going next and it was ipk coming in pitching the eighth i thought that was interesting Ian kennedy pitches the eighth that was a five it was a five run game at the time similar to what we saw with the yankees where they brought in their closer in a five-run game with Araldis chapman I thought that's what the Royals were doing with Willie Peralta coming in, and he was a bit of a disaster. A little meltdown here in the ninth. Jake Diekman comes on. He was not much better. Same with Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House. And then Brad Boxberger comes in. Like that one? Um, I do. Brad Boxberger comes in and gets the last out. It was a line drive that wasn't exactly like a strikeout or, or a lazy pop, but does pick up the save. Florio, I know you tweeted out about this situation. How do you read it going forward? Who gets the next save opportunity? I think it's Boxberger. I think Peralta was in in front of him. And I, I agree with you, Greggy. I thought they were bringing him in the ninth kind of, hey, I know it's a five-run lead, but you're pitching in the ninth. Like, similar to what the Yankees did. It was a way to kind of ease your closer into that role. Perhaps Peralta didn't do enough to, to lose it, but the fact that they had to pull him and then, it, like you said, they had to go through multiple relievers to get to Boxberger when it was a save opportunity. I think that Boxberger going forward has to be viewed as the closer. I don't feel great about it by any stretch. It could still be Peralta. I don't think we know enough to definitively tip the scale one way or another. But if you're, you know, gun to my head, you're asking me to, to pick one of these two guys, I would lean Boxberger. And I think it's going to be a fluid situation here for a Royals team that maybe they win 60 to 65 games. So not going to be a ton of save opportunities here for Kansas City. But 
Yeah, look, Willie Parr also struggled yesterday. They brought in, you know, three different relievers before they got to Boxberger. Uh, and he comes in and gets the final out, the save here for the Kansas City Royals. But you mentioned it. It came on a line out. I don't think any of these relievers are really all that great, Greg. Uh, we saw it last year with Boxberger. He was the closer for most of the season for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Still was able to get 30 saves, but an ERA, you know, over 4.3. Uh, look, I don't think any of these relievers are great, and it's not a good team. So, you know, in shallower leagues, it's probably a stay away. But in Roto, I mean, you try and get saves anywhere that you can find them. So, I know Boxberger is one of the uh, most added players today on Yahoo. Rightfully so. Look, if you're just trying to find saves, I agree with Mike. If I had to choose one to get the next save opportunity for the Royals, I would say Boxberger. Flora, before we let you go, one more interesting note when it comes to closers, and that was in Minnesota. Jose Berrios was fantastic for Minnesota yesterday. Seven and two-thirds, two hits, walked one, struck out ten. He was amazing. I know you recommended him, Frank, uh, as a DFS play against the Cleveland lineup. But it wasn't Trevor May coming in next. It wasn't Blake Parker coming in next. It was Taylor Rogers, just like we all predicted. What do you make of Minnesota's <laughs> closing situation? I think it's going to be gross all year, at least until one of the, the three, if not more, options really steps up or two of them falter and one cements himself in that role. Uh, Baldelli kind of said before the year, like, this is going to be a very fluid situation. He said things could change as time goes on. But I think early on this season, it's going to be a, a guessing game of which one of those three is going to get the save opportunity. If Rodgers is out there on the waiver wire, though, I would pick him up. I wouldn't spend a lot of money. But I would put a cheap bid on him and try to get him. And maybe even if he gives you a handful of saves, it would be worth, you know, spending a buck or two on him. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe a little more 3 to 5% of your fab just because you don't know what the save opportunities are going to look like here, Greg. But they were, it was a lefty lineup that was coming up. And they said that they're going to go with the matchups. Three of the next four batters coming up were lefties. That's why they opt to go with Taylor Rogers. Follow Florio on, Florio on Twitter at Michael F. Florio. Read his work on The Athletic and on Fantrax. We appreciate the time. Subscribe to his Patreon. Only after you subscribe to Franks. We appreciate the time, Florio. Let's do it again soon, buddy. Thank you. Take a break. Ventures up next. Fantasy BFS.